We are talking about our foundations, the foundations of the church, not just Jubilee Church, but particularly we're paying attention to some of the foundations that God has been putting into us. Um, and we're working through the book of Ephesians, and uh, strictly speaking, we should be in chapter 5, uh, and talking about the importance of good relationships as part of our foundation. Maybe we'll come back to that after Easter, uh, but in view of the current emphasis and where it seems that God is leading us at the moment I just feel like we should look at chapter 6 and uh, the command to stand uh, to put on the whole armor of God so that's where I'm going to start today and over the next few weeks we're going to be looking at that and we, we want to teach you how to fight that, that's kind of the emphasis that we feel at the moment how to wrestle in prayer how to be powerful in God and defeat the enemy and this is the right and the calling of every believer it's not just for professionals you know professional Christians um, every one of us is involved in battle anybody you know th there's contention there's resistance there's conflict there's intimidation and whether we realize it or not and some of us don't even professionals I was talking to a leader of a church uh, a little while ago and he was describing a whole series of things that were happening to him uh, this these strange feelings of inadequacy uh, wanting to run away wanting to give up feeling useless every day and he was going on and on with this list and I said you need to take authority over that you need to rebuke the enemy and tell him to get off because he's in your head at the moment and he's trying to take you down and he said what how do I do that because not only did he have no consciousness of spiritual opposition he didn't really know what to do about it I thought Lord we need to know what to do about it we need to be able to recognize these things and so I just led him through some prayers right there and then and uh, he said do you know I feel so different funny that <laughs> but do you would you recognize would you know what to do what does spiritual opposition feel like to you? Would you know what to do about it? Would you know how to help somebody else with it? Well, that's what this series is about. So hopefully you're going to get to know over the next few weeks. Let's just read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 17. Church, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Because our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, it's against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So you're going to need to put on the full armour of God. So that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything stand stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace and on top of all this take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God 
Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for not leaving us in the dark, for telling us of what's going on, what on earth is going on. Thank you for that. Thank you for the church. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing amongst us, Lord. Now just come and teach us, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the different parts of the armour of God. Just because it's a good way of talking about this. We're going to look at each separate part. But today I want to focus on the command to stand. Uh, The enemy that opposes us and how we can defeat him with truth. Three things. The command to stand, the enemy who opposes us and how we can defeat him with truth. But first of all, I want you just to note this. The whole passage is in the plural. Did you notice that? The command to put on armour is to the whole church. It's about the whole church coming together because we're better together than we are apart. We're stronger together than we are when we're alone. And so in the church there's spiritual protection for every believer. Just wanted you to notice that straight off. And the other thing is Paul's exaltation. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. This again is to the whole church. And guys, you have to realise it isn't something that we've got to work up. It's not something we actually have to do. It's something that we already are. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Because when we are church together, we are continuously empowered by his presence. Which is his mighty power. We actually encounter him when we gather. He makes his home amongst us. Because why? We're the dwelling place of God on earth. That's what the Bible teaches us. So right away we can see that anything that leads to broken relationships, division or separation puts us at risk. You know, if we can be offended, if we withdraw, if we are isolated, then the wolf gets in amongst the sheep and bites a whole lot of well-meaning people. And too many times the issue in churches is to do with this. Leadership teams fall out with one another. There are power struggles, there are personality clashes, because, you know, if the enemy can get us to fight one another, we can't be united against him. That's his plan. Get us fighting one another so that we have no idea what's going on. And that's his plan. He wants to bring division. So we need to guard our relationships with one another. We need to be careful how we speak and act to one another and keep short accounts in resolving things so that we put on our armour of God and that protects us against demonic attack. It's one of the reasons why honour is such an important value for us. We want to speak well of one another. We want to honour one another. We want to call out the good in one another. We want to honour one another. So important. Separation is another part of this. It's different to division. It affects us individually. Ever wondered? Or is this just, I just felt, when I wrote this, I thought, is this just me? But here we go. Ever wondered why you don't want to go to church when you're going through a hard time? How you want to avoid other Christians when you're struggling? When actually we should be doing the complete opposite. Yes, yeah, true. 
Ever battled to come to church, anybody? Yeah. Yeah, even the leaders battle sometimes to come to church. And, and that's because we are more easily beaten up when we're lonely. Absolutely. Deceived when we're isolated. Depressed when we're out of relationship. True. We need one another. <laughs> Look around. Say, I need you. <laughs> we actually need one another. We are designed for family, for connection. And do you know what? In this place of unity, the Bible tells us that God commands a blessing. Yeah, Isn't that wonderful? All we have to do is just get together and he blesses us. So this is where Paul's command comes in to stand. This command is to stand together. Paul calls the church to stand. He says, stand, so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Verse 11, so that you can stand your ground. Verse 13, so you can stand firm. Verse 14, four times Paul commands the church to stand together so as not to give way to the enemy's schemes. We're to come together, we're to function together as the interdependent, Holy Spirit-empowered body of Christ, where every member finds their place and plays their part. Absolutely. That's how we stand. We are all called to stand and to play our part. Interestingly, it doesn't say, sit. It doesn't say, come in and take your seat. It doesn't say, lie on the couch and be waited on and looked after by the church. It doesn't. We're told to stand. We're told to function together. We're told to contend together. Everyone playing their part. So how do we stand? Well, we stand on the basis of the finished work of Christ, which Paul's been talking about in the whole of the rest of the book and in the series that we've been doing. Stand in the new identity that we have in Christ. We're called to put on the new self in Ephesians 4.2, which is Christ and all his attributes, all his righteousness, truth and salvation. That's what the armour is made of. That's what we're standing in our identity in Christ. And we are to put off all that is of our old selves so that we can stand and not be undermined because we have a scheming devil who wants to undermine us. And how many of you know it's very difficult to stand when you're being undermined? Ever tried to stand when the waves beat against your legs on a sandy shore? You know, the first wave comes in and then it drags back and it sucks the sand from under your feet. And then the second wave comes and more of what you're standing on is removed and so on. And before you know it, you're no longer able to stand. You've got no option but to fall. Which is why Jesus tells us not to stand on sand, but to build on rock. 
because the wind and the waves can blow then and on the house and the house on the rock stands firm better know where you're standing better know who you are in Christ better know how to stand together than to fall so are you able to stand are you able to stand and lift your head up because I know who I am and I know who we are together Jubilee are we able to stand in the sure knowledge of who we are you know we've been learning to do that to contend for our friend who's been ill we've been learning how to stand together to contend together to advance the kingdom of God defeating the enemy of sickness or whatever it is that is opposing us because you know we do have an enemy that opposes us we have a very real enemy we don't talk about him much and that's okay because I'm not really that interested in him or what he's doing but we shouldn't be unaware of his schemes that's what Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 2.11 because if we're unaware he might try to outwit us and he can be very hard to see actually as Paul was saying just there in verse 12 our struggle isn't against flesh and blood it's not in the physical realm it's against rulers, authorities, powers spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms they're spiritual, they're invisible and so Paul says it's when the evil day comes that we need to stand. Not if. <laughs> this invisible realm is against us. It opposes us. It opposes our advance. So how do we see him? And um, what is the nature of his attack? And Paul gives us some clues when he describes him. He says he's a powerful and wicked deceiver. That's my summary of the whole passage. He's a powerful and wicked deceiver. He's powerful. I remember a few years ago, we were on a trip to South Africa to do a supernatural conference. And uh, we went with a team of some quite young men. And uh, particularly the young men I'm talking about, there were ladies there as well. And they were, they were making what I thought was quite silly, immature young men remarks about how they were looking forward to encountering some demons and casting them out. They thought this was fun and this was just a play thing and they were being very disrespectful and naive, I thought. You see, although Satan is a defeated foe, he's still very powerful. And so he should be treated with some respect and caution, just like you would treat a rattlesnake in close proximity. A few years ago, there was a, a lady who needed some deliverance. She'd had an awful background. She'd been involved in witchcraft, in fact, but she desperately wanted to be free. She gave her heart to Jesus. She wanted to be free. And she'd been to a number of churches, and uh, it seems like the church isn't very well equipped these days. <laughs> And people weren't able to help her. And the, and the problem was actually that whenever this demonic power manifested, it was so powerful that whoever tried to confront it was overwhelmed. It was a bit like speaking into a hurricane. You lost your voice. You even lost your breath in the face of it. It was very powerful. And I must confess, I had no idea what to do. So I, I asked Jesus. <laughs> 
And then one night he gave me a dream and uh, in the dream I saw something like a high voltage cable plugged into her back. It's a strange dream. But as I sort of, you know in dreams you can fly and do all kinds of stuff. It's really cool. I like dreaming. So I flew over the top and I looked and I thought, oh, this high, where does it go? And I traced it all the way back to where this power was coming from and I saw a witch doctor casting spells over her and controlling her and, and the Lord said to me all you need to do is unplug the power cable and it loses all its power so I thought oh right okay that's what we'll do prophetic action in Jesus name I unplugged the power cable it lost all its power and we set her free he's very powerful he must be treated with respect, but God can give us strategies to defeat him when he opposes us. And the humility that's required in dealing with the enemy isn't towards Satan, but towards the Father, where we express our dependence on him and ask him to show us what to do. We need to pray. We need discernment. We need strategies so that we can defeat him. And whatever you're coming up against, I want to encourage you to ask the Father for the strategy to defeat what is opposing you. Well, how do I break through on this? Will you show me? Share it with some friends. Get them to pray with you. How are we going to defeat this together? He's wicked and deceptive. You know, it's very easy to identify evil when it hits us between the eyes. Even the media will call it out sometimes. So this was an evil and despicable act. And there are plenty to choose from in the world today. But more often, the wickedness that we encounter is more subtle than that. It grows in hearts and minds like bindweed. And then it limits us, it hinders our growth, so that we never come into all that God has called us to. Verse 11, put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And this is the nature of how he works. He schemes. He tricks. He intimidates. He manipulates. He traps he binds, he lies, he lies, there's no truth in him, he lies. And we're fooled into believing him. We don't even realise half the time that the lies have come from him. We think that they've come from us. Or perhaps they've come from our parents. Or perhaps they've come from the bully at school all those years ago. Our own thoughts or ideas, whereas actually... Their source is spiritual. The weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds in spiritual realms. Satan is a liar. You know, if the devil can hijack our faith and get us to believe lies instead of truth, then we're bound. It's a really shocking thing. I realized this a few years ago that everybody, whether you're a believer or not, that's a contradiction in terms from what I'm about to say, everybody lives by faith. Yeah. <laughs> not faith in God, perhaps, by faith in what they believe in. There you go, there's the contradiction. Because you see, faith, what I believe in, is a very powerful force. And if you doubt this, then imagine for a moment that you wake up one day with a terrible pain. 
If you're a man, I'm going to be completely sexist now. If you're a man, you will live in denial for many days. You will suffer in silence with the occasional grimace. Just wait. But in your head, man, all kinds of inventions go on. For several days, I convinced myself I was having a series of heart attacks. Eventually, I convinced myself I was about to die. All the symptoms were plain to see. My search on the internet confirmed my expert diagnosis. I probably only had moments to live. Finally, I went to the doctor. He checked me over and said, you're fine, apart from some very bruised ribs, which you may have got when riding a roller coaster all day with your kids the previous weekend. Can you imagine how I felt? Perhaps you've been in that position where you're absolutely convinced there's something terribly wrong with you and you get that reassurance. And what you've been believing is suddenly broken by the truth and you're set free. This newfound faith liberated me. Suddenly the world was a sweeter place, the birds sang more sweetly, the air smelt so much better, and the pain diminished hugely. What is that about? But you see, we live by what we believe. And Satan knows this. And so he tricks us into believing lies about ourselves, about one another, about our leaders, about the church, about anything that's going to hinder us and stop us from functioning. Which is why Paul tells us the first thing that we need to do to stand firm is to buckle around us the belt of truth. Stand firm, verse 14, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The belt of a Roman soldier in Paul's day wasn't like my wimpy leather strap right now. It was four to six inches wide, heavy metal and uh, leather, very thick. It had a protective piece hanging down the front to protect the soldier's lower parts and the belt hole held the soldier's sword and other weapons and food and water as well and most importantly it held the breastplate in place. So you can see it covered the most sensitive parts of that soldier. It was an essential part of the armory and so Paul listed it first because you see without the belt of truth we're lost the schemes of the enemy will surely overpower us if we're believing lies and not truth we are already lost so we defeat him with truth truth is the antidote to lies truth will literally and experientially set you free whereas lies undermine our ability to stand let me give you a few examples of the kind of lies we're tricked into believing and some truth to counteract it with. 
I'm just going to go through it. If you want to close your eyes and think about this or whatever, just let this wash over you. Because I believe that God wants to set some people free from lies today. So I'm going to just share a whole load of lies <laughs> and then a whole load of truth and see if you recognize any of them. And then we've got some declarations that you can do yourself right at the end. And that's where we're going to close today. So here we go. Firstly, lies about God. Here are some of the lies that we believe about God, that he's distant, that he's uninterested, that he's insensitive, that he's uncaring, stern and demanding, that he's passive and cold, he's too busy for us, he's dissatisfied with what we do, he's impatient, he's angry, he's mean, he's cruel or abusive. Any of those ever make any sense to you, that you've had that kind of view of God? Well, what is the truth about him? Well, the Bible, I, there's so many verses here, I'm not going to read them all to you. But I'm just going to read you the headings. that He's intimate and involved in our lives. He's kind and compassionate. He's accepting of us and filled with joy and love. Our Father is warm and affectionate. He always wants to be with us. He's patient and slow to anger. He's loving, gentle, and protective of us. He's good, trustworthy. He wants us to thrive. His will for you is good and perfect and acceptable. God is full of grace and mercy. He even gives us freedom to fail. Wow. He's tender-hearted and forgiving. His heart and his arms are always open to us. He's committed to our growth and he's proud to call you his own. Truth. I like that. Lies about ourselves. There are so many. <laughs> but I'm going to just give you a handful and you can fill in the blanks on the rest yourself. I'm stupid, ugly. There's no need to agree with any of this. All right. So. <laughs> I just decided to do it as I because this is what it feels like. I am stupid. I'm ugly, dirty, and worthless. I'll never amount to much. I'll never have enough. I'll never be enough. I'm not that gifted. I'll never be a good father, mother, son, or daughter. I can only fail and never succeed. I'm insignificant unloved, unworthy, irrelevant, fill in the blank. Just take a moment to think about that. What are some of the lies? Ask the Holy Spirit, what are the, some of the lies that I've been saying about myself, believing about myself? Just take a moment. What you do with the lie is you say, I'm going to bring that now to God. And I say, Lord, what are you going to give me in exchange for this lie? <laughs> this is a good exchange. Father, what do you say about me? Here we go. You're loved. 
you're chosen, you're significant, you're secure, you're clean, you're forgiven, you are loved, you are saved, you have a hope and a future, you no longer need to be ashamed and you cannot be condemned. You're a friend of God, a powerful son or daughter. God is your father and Jesus is your brother. Welcome to the family. You're full of the Holy Spirit, gifted, anointed and free. And if God is for you, who can possibly be against you? That's just a sample of truth. I just say, Lord, I receive the truth in exchange for the lie. Thank you, Father. Thank you that I'm chosen, loved, secure. Thank you that I'm clean, I'm forgiven, I'm safe. So lies about God, lies about ourselves, lies about the devil. I just want to touch on briefly. Because, you know, if you believe that the devil is more powerful or equally powerful to God, you're going to struggle to take authority over him. And so he, he will wreak havoc in your life. He will use your very own faith against you. You know, fearing Satan and his demons gives him power over you. So here's the truth. You don't need to fear him. You only have to resist him and he flees. <laughs> he has to flee. That's what James chapter 4 verse 7. I remember once as a young a teenager, I was up late one night and I was praying and I was lying on the floor with a quilt over my head and there was suddenly as I was praying, it was in the middle of the night, pitch black, and there was an awful feeling of evil suddenly enter the room. It was very frightening. It's an evil presence. And I was very frightened in that moment. And I said, Lord, what shall I do? I don't like this, don't like this, don't like this, don't like it. It was like a bad dream, but I was wide awake. And he said, just point at it and tell it to go. So I pointed somewhere in the region. I had the quilt over my head lying on the floor and I just looked at it. Jesus name go away <laughs> and my windows rattled and there was the running of feet as this thing whatever it was ran for its life that was a turning point for me my my finger is very powerful <laughs> how's your finger sword of the spirit <coughs> Jesus says I cast out demons by the finger of God Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. First thing you do, submit to God. And then resist the devil. He has to flee from you. You see, the truth is our God is far above all principalities and powers. And everything is under his feet. We've been reading that in the book of Ephesians. 
Dave Devenish, who wrote an excellent book on spiritual warfare, said, we do not live in a dualistic universe where equally matched powers of good and evil struggle for supremacy. Marvel Comics, eat your heart out. God is sovereign. His ultimate victory is not in any doubt. You know, we watch these superhero uh, films and they give us the wrong message. Good just about, just about, by the skin of its teeth, within the last few minutes of the movie, succeed. It's not like that. God is in a whole other realm of power and authority. He's seated on the throne. He's not pacing about, wringing his hands over what the devil's doing or what's happening in the world. The psalmist says in Psalm 2, 4-5, that the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath. Want to get a good picture of what it's like? The battle between good and evil, God laughs. And sometimes I think we need to lean into heaven and hear the laughter of God when we see some of the things that is going on in the world. And from that place, we exercise authority. Amen? Okay, so that, that's it. That's the message, really. I just felt like it would be good to give you an opportunity, and I'm going to send out an email handout. Bernice, thank you for helping me with this, because I've been away this week. She's very kindly put some together uh, some of the common lies and truths uh, that we, and with some instructions on, I renounce the lie that, and then the truth on the other side. I joyfully accept the truth. And I, I'm not going to lead you through this, but there are two pages of them. I just want you to muse over them and just declare them. And if you want to get with somebody next to you, because we overcome together. Um, I don't want to make you feel awkward with that. We will send out a handout this week. There's even more lies and truth that you can use as an antidote in your own life. I believe God wants to set us free from some lies that we've been believing. Remember, it keeps coming up, actually. Remember last week, Psalm 23, that Rita read. And he anoints my head with oil. Why? It keeps the flies and the lies away. He anoints my head with oil to keep the flies and the lies away. He wants to anoint our heads with oil so that we can live in truth and defeat the enemy and break the hold of lies over our lives. Amen. There you go. I'm going to pray for you, and then I want to just leave you to take a few minutes. Just read them out. That's the other thing I've learned. You can't rebuke the enemy in your head. He can't hear your thoughts. You actually have to speak. So when you're doing this, you actually have to speak. Sometimes that's why we don't break three. 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 Because we haven't declared it with our mouths. If you declare it with your mouth, it's incredibly powerful. So I'm going to ask if um, maybe the band could just play for us to help us provide the spiritual atmosphere. Or, or just, uh, just the guitar will be fine. You, you're so anointed, man. Let's come out and David's heart. Let's just stand together a minute and then I'm just going to give you a few moments to just work through some of these. Let me just pray for you. Jesus, we just thank you that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Yeah, it's very good.
And Father, so we just declare freedom from all lies and bondage. We cut any strings that have connected us to lies in Jesus' name and set people free today. We just pray that freedom would reign in our lives. And Father, we just want to declare over our own heads, put your hand on your head and say, I have the mind of Christ. I will think the right thoughts and I will say the right words because of what you have revealed to me. Jesus, come and help us to, to renounce the lies and declare the truth for your glory and in your name. Because Jesus, you are a freedom bringer. And Lord, we love to be free. We love to enter into all that you have for us. So Lord, just come and set us free today. Come and let some bombs of truth land on us. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. So just start to work through some of these. And I renounce the lie that I'm alone. I joyfully accept that God is with me.